0: The following is a sermon that was preached at Good News Lutheran Church in Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. It was preached on Sunday, May 2nd, 2021 on the basis of Acts 4, verses 32 through 37. For more information or to view our entire sermon library, visit goodnewslc.org. Thank you for listening. Would you consider yourself to be a radical? What about an extremist? Those labels get thrown around quite a bit these days, which means that as a result, it's very easy for all of us to feel at times a little bit uneasy, a little bit on edge, a little bit leery that if we do or say or think the wrong thing, that maybe one of those labels will be slapped on us. I think it's very natural for us to want the things that we think and the things that we believe about politics, about pandemics, and yes, also about religion, to be viewed by other people not as radical, not as extreme, but instead as very normal, very safe, very mainstream. There's just one problem with that, however. I think you'd agree that there are times in life when radical and, is, and extreme is exactly what our world needs when just about everyone and everything is headed in exactly the same direction, and that direction is not a very good one. And so sure, you could just go with the flow. Sure, you could stay comfortably within the current of where everyone else is headed. And it might save you some criticism. It might help you avoid losing some friends. But at the end of the day, will you have contributed anything positive to otherwise toxic times? At the end of the day, will it have mattered that you were even here at all? Or would everything have pretty much turned out exactly the same way even without you? During the season of Easter, we are celebrating the life outside the box that Jesus delivers to us by virtue of his resurrection from the dead. And today we're talking about how Jesus' resurrection delivers a life that is free from futility. In other words, a life that is free from the horrific thought That we would show up here on this earth, stay here for 70, 80, 90 years, be put back into the ground, and and at the end of all of it, nothing that we did really mattered all that much. In today's gospel, we heard how Jesus say that all those who are connected to Christ have a living and powerful force that is at work in them, like a vine that is connected to a branch. And the fruit that Christ produces in our lives results, that that powerful living force that's at work inside of us, results in a life that is anything but futile. Instead, it results in a life that is fruitful. And as we look at these verses from Acts that are in front of us this morning, we're going to see that very often the fruit that Christians produce is, in fact, radical. It is, in fact, extreme. It is very different from what you see out in the rest of the world, and yet at the very same time, this radical extreme fruit is exactly what the world needs from us as Christians. As we look at these verses from Acts chapter 4 this morning, we're going to see that the world needs Christians to be more radical, not less. So what exactly does a radical Christian life look like? Luke describes it in these verses. In the very first sentence, Luke writes, he talks about the multitude of Christians that existed at that time. Earlier in the chapter, he told us that that multitude had grown to the number of 5,000 men, just men. So you add women and children, and you maybe have a grand total of 15,000 Christians. 15,000 Christians, and Luke wants to tell us something about their mind and their heart, the things that they think, their viewpoints, their opinions their desires and then Luke gets to the very end of that first sentence and the very last word that he saves for the very end sort of falls to the ground like a grenade Luke says that their mind and their heart were one not 15,000 not five not three not even two their mind and their heart were one they were completely united In mind and heart, Luke says. Do you think that description still fits the Christian church today? Just this past week, I came across an article that's entitled The Splintering of the Evangelical Soul. And in it, the author gives what he thinks is a description of the Christian church, or at least one part of the Christian church today. He writes this One group within the church believes our religious liberties have never been more firmly established. Another, that they have never been at greater risk. One group believes racism is still systemic in American society. Another, that the systemic racism push is a progressive program to redistribute wealth and power to angry radicals. There's that word. One is more concerned with the insurrection at the Capitol. Another, with the riots that followed the killing of George Floyd. One believes the former president attempted a coup. Another, that the Democrats stole the election. One believes masks and vaccines are marks of Christian love. Another, that the rejection of the same is a mark of Christian courage. It probably comes as no surprise to you to hear that these types of beliefs, these polar opposite views exist in our world, and even that they exist within the Christian church. I'm here to tell you today that they also exist within Good News Lutheran Church. It would be very easy for us to look at one set of those beliefs and sort of call that one the radical one or the extreme one. Or maybe we'd look at the other set of beliefs and say exactly the same thing. And yet the reality is that there's an overarching thought behind this entire article that is nothing but mainstream. Not radical at all, but completely normal. It is completely normal to assume That in order for a group of Christians, even a group of Christians as small as the one that makes up our church, to be completely united, that we would have to find a way to agree on all of these things. It is completely normal to assume that if we disagree about any of those things, it is destined to cause division and strife Within our church, it is completely normal to assume that really what we should all be doing is voluntarily surrounding ourselves with people who have exactly the same viewpoints on these things and increasingly distancing ourselves from people who do not. All of that completely normal and mainstream. What would be completely radical would be to understand that even if we disagree on these things, we don't have to be divided. What would be completely radical would be to realize that we can disagree on these things and a million other things and still remain completely united. In fact, that those differences and those disagreements are not burdens to be tolerated or put up with, but are actually blessings to be celebrated. Be completely radical when we consider how we are going to behave, how we are going to conduct ourselves, that first and foremost in our minds would not be our needs or our viewpoints, but the needs and the viewpoints of others. Be completely radical to view ourselves as having far more in common with people that we are very superficially different from than other people we are very superficially identical to. The unity that Luke describes in these verses is completely radical. The second sentence that Luke writes is just as surprising as the first. In this sentence, Luke talks about the believer's possessions. Do you think 15,000 different Christians have a lot of different viewpoints, they also have a lot of different possessions and levels of possessions and types of possessions. No doubt some had a great deal. No doubt some had very little. And yet Luke tells us that whether it was a piece of real estate or a family heirloom, all of the believers, every single Christian in those days viewed those possessions not as property that was personal, but instead, and again, sort of letting the very last word of the sentence fall to the ground like a grenade, Luke tells us that they all viewed their possessions as communal. What belonged to one belonged to all. Once again, do you think that that description is fitting? of the Christian church today. I don't have any sort of article to show you, but I think it's safe to say that as much as our current circumstances challenge Christian unity, they also very much challenge Christian generosity. As a result of economic shutdowns and slowdowns, many people have had their hours reduced, their salary reduced, maybe even loss of income altogether. And at the very same time, the conversation in our country about how much wealth a person should be allowed to have versus who should be taxed, how much and for what purpose has never been more contentious. And again, it would be very easy For us to assume that one position or another in that whole debate is the radical one and the extreme one. Maybe, for example, we would be tempted to think that the radical position is the person who believes that basically all taxation is theft. That each one of us should be allowed to hold on to our possessions, our hard-earned money, no matter what, and spend it however we would like. Or maybe we'd be tempted to think that the radical or extreme position is the person who thinks just the opposite that in the wealthiest country that has ever existed on planet Earth, nobody should be in poverty. We should be able to just give out things like free childcare, free health care, free education. In reality, neither one of those positions is all that extreme or radical. Do you know what it is? For each one of us to view our personal possessions not as our own, For each one of us to view our possessions as not just belonging to us, not even just belonging to our physical family, but really being the communal property of our spiritual family as well. And as a result, generously giving of those possessions whenever there is a need. And what would truly be radical is for us to do all of that completely willingly. Willingly without any tax code needing to be passed, without any tax loopholes needing to be closed, without the minimum wage needing to be raised, but completely and totally willingly. Out of all the fruits that we as Christians produce, I think you might agree with me that these two fruits of unity and generosity are among the most radical that our connection to Jesus causes us to produce. So let me ask, as you look at your life, how much of this fruit is hanging from your branches? Are unity and generosity like these ripe clusters of abundant fruit that are just dragging the branches down with their weight and causing people to encounter those things with every single interaction that you have? Or have the events, especially of the past year, sort of served like a dry, scorching heat that has caused those fruits of unity and generosity to wither and rot? I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but if you ask me, as much as the past year or so has been difficult, I don't think any days in the shade are lying ahead of us. I think more scorching heat is in the forecast. As COVID cases go down and vaccine rates go up, how are you going to feel about, how are you going to view the Christian who still thinks that we should be wearing masks all the time, no matter what, wherever we go? How are you going to view the Christian who thinks that the time for wearing masks has come to an end, if it ever existed at all? As the stimulus checks stop coming, But income is still down, and everything gets more and more expensive. How cautious, how protective are you going to get to your personal possessions, including the amount that you generously contribute to support the ministry of our church? Unity and generosity are radical, extreme fruits that are produced by those who are connected to Christ. And so it's no wonder that at times we look at our lives and we don't see a whole lot of them. But thankfully, in these verses, Luke doesn't just describe these radical fruits that Christians produce. He also describes their very radical root that they spring from. Where does all of this unity and generosity come from? Here's what Luke says. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. In other words, the message of Easter, the message that Christ had risen from the dead, was the heart and core of their Christian life week after week after week. And that wonderful good news of Easter, first of all, assured each of them as it assures each of us that we have been forgiven, that we have been redeemed for the times when our lives display a stunning lack of unity and generosity. Christ has saved us from those sins. But Luke also points out how that same message of Easter is a powerful and living force at work in our lives. In fact, it is the very reason these Christians showed such unity and generosity. In fact, it's what made that unity and generosity so very radical. So far in this sermon, you've probably figured out that I've been using that word radical as a near synonym for the word extreme. But maybe you also know that the word radical refers to something that is produced directly from a root. You might recall in math class how an expression that includes a root, like a square root, for example, is known as a radical expression. And so where does all of this unity and where does all of this generosity come from? What makes it so radical? Well, it is produced directly from this root of Easter, of Jesus' resurrection from the dead. I mean, think about it for a second. I think we have a fairly easy time among ourselves disagreeing about which football team we should be cheering for and what's the best show on Netflix right now. That doesn't in any way cause division or strife within our congregation. Why? Because I think we all realize that in the grand scheme of things, those things don't matter a whole lot. Well, call me crazy, but maybe, just maybe, in the grand scheme of things, presidential elections and pandemic policies and the proper plan for policing in our country can kind of be described the same way. i pastor. Those things are way more important than football games and TV shows, aren't they? Those are matters of life and death. Yes, I suppose they are. And if we lived in a world that was limited by death, those would be the most important things we could possibly discuss. And any disagreement on those things would rightly lead to division and anger and strife. But last I checked, our world is not limited by death. Last I checked, Jesus has torn down the walls of the grave. Last I checked, Jesus came to give us a life that is outside the box, which means that even disagreements about matters of life and death need not Divide us. The radical root of Jesus' resurrection from the dead produces that radical fruit of unity. And it does the very same thing with generosity. Imagine you were playing a game of Monopoly. Let's say you were playing with a young child. Maybe it was even the young child's very first time playing Monopoly. I'm guessing that unless you are an absolute cutthroat competitor, you would have no problem when that child runs out of money just giving them a little bit from your hand or maybe even taking a little bit from the bank. Ah, but pastor, that's, that's monopoly money. It's just a game. That's not real life. Very soon the game is over and then at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who ends up with the most. Yes, I suppose that that's true. But in the very same way, Jesus' resurrection has exactly the same effect on what we call real life. Yes, real life is something for us to enjoy while it lasts, including the blessings that Christ gives us. But real life is also something that's going to come to an end very quickly. And Jesus' resurrection means that the size of our estate, when our life comes to an end, is of relatively little consequence. This radical root of Jesus' resurrection from the dead produces the radical fruit of generosity, too. And it's a good thing that it does Because as I said at the beginning, it's exactly what the world needs from us as Christians. After describing the radical way in which these Christians lived, Luke goes on to make a a statement about them. He says that great grace, great favor was upon them. There's actually some disagreement among scholars about whether that refers to the grace of God, his his undeserved love for them that caused him to send Jesus, or whether it refers to the favor that people showed to them in response to this way in which these Christians were living. Some people actually think Luke intentionally left it ambiguous to include both. In fact, we might think of it this way. God's grace, his undeserved love for us, is the thing that we are rooted in, the thing that flows through our veins and our lifeblood and causes us to produce these fruits of unity and generosity. And because that is the case, then when someone encounters that fruit, when someone takes a piece off of the branch and bites into it, that very same grace is the thing that they are going to taste. And it's going to make an impact on them. It's so very different, so very radical compared to everything else that they experience in life. Maybe it's even the first time that they've tasted such a thing and yet they know there's something about it that they really like. Friends, that very same thing is still true in our world. Next week, you are going to be hearing a lot about our ministry plan for the coming year and the theme for that ministry plan is Pivot to Personal. I think the past year has clarified, now more than ever, that our very personal God wants to care for us personal creatures in a very personal way. And one thing that I really like about that ministry plan is it absolutely forces us to produce these radical fruits of unity and generosity. If it is, in fact, our plan that we don't want Christians to just spend the rest of time sitting by themselves in their home receiving spiritual content via the internet, but that we actually want to get together in the same place, then we better know how to produce some unity. And in fact, if in the coming year we are actually going to build a place for that to happen, a rather expensive place for that to happen, boy, we better be able to produce some generosity. Those two radical fruits are going to be essential for us and they will also be very beneficial for the world around us. Yes, they are radical. Yes, they are extreme. Yes, they are rare in our world. But the good news is you and I are rooted in the most radical thing that has ever happened in the history of the world. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Amen.